I would always be taking my own phone calls. Like, Corey, I'm out in the field. I'm on a roof hanging, you know, cleaning a gutter, you know, and you can hear my gas blower. You know, I just turned it off. Like, hey, hello, Susan, where, where are you located? And, I, and I'm, if I'm not on in my truck, I have to like open my notes tab and try to get information. And I have to try to remember to ask the most relevant question. It doesn't matter whether you're a large operation or small operation, whether you're an electrical contractor, screen enclosure contractor like myself, or general contractor selling new homes and large-scale remodeling projects. Handling the initial call is crucial because think about it. Most of your leads, most of your customers make their first point of contact by phone. They pick up the phone, they dial your number, and they want to discuss either their problems with someone at your company or make a direct request for service. So how you handle these calls are crucial. And whether you're a one-man band working out of your truck or whether you're a large-scale company, it's important that you have somebody that can answer these phone calls around the clock and make the most out of this opportunity. Now, outsourcing these entirely is something that I've seen come up a lot recently in my own group and in other Facebook groups. Can these calls be outsourced? Can a small operation effectively outsource all of their call handling to make the most of these inbound phone calls? Can a large operation outsource these phone calls after hours to capture more leads and ultimately grow more business? And I mean after hours, outside of the hours that their office staff is not there. So today I bring on Vito Moretzky. He's doing this in his company, a gutter repair and maintenance company located in Denver. He shares his insight and how it's working, what he's doing, the process behind it, how the CSRs handle the calls, and how this is ultimately leading to more sales and impacting his customer experience. So let's jump into it right now with Vito. Vito, welcome to the Home Pro Success Show. Corey, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. Awesome. I'm glad to have you on. I've you know known of you. I've never had a spe- chance to speak with you, so I'm glad we got a chance to speak here on the podcast. I'll tell you what I know. You've been in my Facebook group for about a year now, or quite a quite a while back in you know back from the glory days when we just had a couple hundred members in there. Now we're up to about 1,200. So awesome growth in the group there, and you've seen a lot you know kind of come and go through there. And I've seen you with your own company, Gutter Maintenance Company. You guys are located, where are you located? Denver, Denver. Denver, okay, right in Denver. Awesome area there. I love the Denver area. And you're doing a lot of cool stuff up there, growing your business pretty quick. So we're going to jump into that and talk about it. Why don't you give our listeners a brief run through of kind of what your company is like right now? What do you guys do? Yeah, so as we were talking, Corey, we're in a really niche market. We do gutter maintenance. And how I got into that, uh, I started off as a jack of all trades, if you will, a jack of all trades in the gutter industry. If you think of any trade pools or roofing in it, or general contractors, there's so many little micro trades within that. And four years ago, I had no money. And I was like, man, I, I know gutters. I used to do gutter cleaning door to door. My cousin had a gutter company. I worked with him. I was like, the only thing I understand is gutters. I'm an entrepreneur. I feel like I need an outlet. So what I did is I started a gutter company. And naturally, I felt like, hey, the, all the money's in the gutter replacement jobs, right? I need to go and sell two, three, four thousand $4,000 gutter replacement jobs because people need that. And I, I did that. But at the same time, as I was pitching gutter replacement jobs, and I had subcontractors, so I didn't have any employees. I was a one-man operation. I was sales. I was marketing. I was just bringing in jobs, closing them, and giving out to subs. But I realized as I was doing that, I was getting a lot of phone calls related to gutter maintenance. Someone is calling, hey, I got a loose gutter. Oh, hey, I got a loose downspout. And I didn't like to take on those jobs at first. I was like, dude, I'm, I need the big $3,000 jobs. That's what I'm after. And naturally, I just kept going for those. But when I did get the smaller jobs, I realized I was left with a lot more money at the end of the day. I was like, damn, I mean, that, that's not bad. We were at a job for, for two hours, brought in $700. 
A lot of it was value add. It was just our time. We did some repair work. We spent some time. It wasn't difficult work. And I kept most of that. I don't have to pay for material. I don't have to pay, you know, highly trained technicians to actually go out and install the gutters per foot. It wasn't that expensive. And I started making a lot of money and I realized that it was an untapped market. And even though I like replacing gutters and I like that big dollar amount, that's not what actually paid what I wanted it to pay. And then last year is the first year that we changed our branding completely from Colorado Gutter Company to Gutter Maintenance Pro and just started going in on gutter maintenance, but even to niche out of that into commercial gutter maintenance. So retail, we do about half and then half we do commercial, but our goal is to be almost all commercial within the next two years, commercial gutter cleaning repairs for townhome associations, things like that. So started focusing on just the niche of it. And it's been an amazing ride. I learned so much and I realized that you don't need to have a big ticket item per se to actually be profitable. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money comes in, it matters what stays. And I realized that on less money, I could be more profitable in the business. Absolutely. That was what I focused on. Yeah, that we, we see the same thing in my trade too. You know, there's some project scopes that people are, you know, kind of all excited about. Project ticket numbers are, you know, bigger, but ultimately they get bid down. They're more complicated. There's less margin and less overall profitability in them. And I don't know why, but people kind of, you know, fight to the bottom of the barrel on these. And we're just like, you know what? We're not even going to bother these. We've got our own, you know, specific select niches that we operate in and we can do well in. And, you know, a lot of times where it looks like the big money is, the big money is not. It sounds like that's kind of been your experience as well. Yeah. Just because everybody's going there doesn't mean you got to go there too. And every single guy I know that is in the business, they do gutter replacements. Everyone that does is in the gutter. And this is underlooked. And, And like we talked earlier, there's there's a company, you know, Ned Stevens Gutter Cleaning. They do $20 million a year in gutter cleaning alone. You know, they took wow. such a niche or Tommy Mello, you know, replacing garage doors or working on garage doors, such a niche and $30 million a year. So you don't have to be a jack of all trades. And there's so much work if you become and choose to become an expert at a specific trade. Yeah. So 20 million a year in gutter cleaning. Damn, that's a huge market. It's huge. Yeah. They're in, I think, 11 different states. So they're not just in one state. Yeah. But if you see some of their pictures of their crews, everything is systematic and uniform. They have hundreds of trucks all look the same, all have the same ladder racks, the same ladders. They follow the same procedure, the same system, and they just go and knock these bad boys out one after another, after another, after another, after another. Just like an assembly line of service. That's it. And then they can hire high schoolers. If I had to hire gutter replacement contractors, these are guys that are 35, 45 years old that have been doing this for years. And then good luck me trying to teach them my way of doing it. Hey, here's the better way to hang a gutter. Well, what do you know? I mean, you're only 26 years old. I've been doing this for 15 years. I know how to hang a gutter, but his gutter, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but his gutter is his method is the old method. That's the method that yeah. he's so used to. He doesn't want to innovate and learn. And as an entrepreneur, I got to innovate. I have to do a faster, more efficient way. And I can hire high schoolers. I don't need highly trained, complex people. And you know, we start at a very reasonable rate for you know for young people to come work. I don't need to hire highly skilled technicians to do the job, which is great for scalability. Absolutely. So let's kind of talk a little about your service specifically. I mean, what does gutter maintenance entail to you? Because we just mentioned $20 million a year in gutter cleaning. Are you just doing gutter cleanings? Are you sealing leaks and replacing downspouts and all that? I'm actually pretty familiar with gutters because that's incidental to my trade screen enclosures. We have sold gutters and subbed out them and we still do that. We don't do any gutter work in-house except for there's structural super gutters, which go in between the pool cages. So that's where most of my experience comes from. But yeah, I'm pretty competent in the gutter area there. So I know that we get a lot of calls for like gutter leaks, gutter sealing. 
you know, gutter lags that are falling out of the uh, the eve of the house, crushed downspouts, and somehow downspouts always get messed up. I don't exactly know how people do it, but like you'll you'll have a downspout that's like crushed like up at eight foot, you know, right where it comes out of the elbow. You're like, what the hell happened here? You know, so do you guys handling all that stuff as well? Yeah, exactly. So gutters are actually meant to last a really long time. Most companies that install gutters, they're gonna put a lifetime warranty on it, meaning that they're gonna last a really long time. Yeah. With them lasting that long, they need to be maintained. In the past, Absolutely. what I've done when I sold gutters, Corey, is if someone had a leaking gutter, I didn't do gutter repairs. I said, you know what? You need new gutters, a brand new gutter system. And they and I sold them on a couple thousand dollar job when I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Their gutters just needed some TLC. Someone just a professional needed to come spend, you know, an hour cleaning, sealing, repitching, making sure the gutters are good and leave the gutter alone and it's going to work for another 10 years. And so what we do primarily is cleaning. I mean, on the commercial side, but then so many leaks, you know, miters when you, you know, two gutters connect, you know, those miters are leaking, the slope is off, you know, a couple screws came out, there may be a little spot of rust that we need to patch, all this miscellaneous stuff to make sure a gutter system works. And we replace elbows or, you know, downspout extensions when they get stepped on. So there's a ton of things that we can do, but mostly it's the cleaning of the gutters that we do. So in that, are you are you kind of building this all into, you know, hey, we got a call for a leak and then we're going to come out there and sell like a package of gutter cleaning? I mean, how are you setting this up? I guess is what I'm saying. Are you setting this up as like a recurring package of gutter cleaning? So, I mean, in my head, I'm saying you pay... I don't know, just round numbers here, $500 a quarter, and we show up once and clean your gutters? Good question. It's just kind of recurring. Really good question. So when a customer calls, it's for one of two reasons. They either need their, one of three reasons. They either need their gutters cleaned, or they need some repair work, or they need both. Almost always, even if they're calling for repair work, they also need their gutters cleaned. So if the customer calls with repair work, what we do is we give them a quote for gutter cleaning. Over the phone, we do Google Satellite View. They can also respond to bid. I don't know if you're familiar with that. What, what is that? Respond to bid? Respond to bid. What is that? Yeah, no, I'm not familiar with that. It's a calculator on my website. It's really cool. You should check it out. But they answer a few questions and I've built a calculator model in the background and it actually calculates the price as to what it would cost. Okay. So is that like a WordPress plugin that's doing it? It's not. It's a, it's an actual company responsive bid. I think I pay, I don't remember, a few hundred bucks a month, but they focus on selling packages and an online calculator tool for you to pretty much close deals online. Like I can go to sleep and wake up with, you know, three new couple hundred dollar gutter cleaning jobs. And I had no interaction with the customer. So they price it and book it online. Yeah. They're able to book it into Jobber. It's integrated with Jobber and I can set the rules on which jobs and how big jobs and which zip codes and how many miles we want to drive between each job. It takes a while to set up, but once you do it, you can automate a lot of these types of calls and customer. Yeah. So I got, I got a couple, couple questions on that. I mean, how many people are actually using it? Like how often do people go onto your website and just book it without actually having to make a call in? It's a good question. I thought it would be a lot more. When I signed up for it, I couldn't sleep the night before, after I signed up. I was like, man, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to get so many leads. Everybody's going to be calling. Yeah, yeah. But I realized that even though, and you'll see it on my website, it's in the upper right-hand corner, you know, click here for a gutter clean quote. So many people end up calling and I thought, hey, it's 2019. Why are people calling? Don't people want it all automatic? But that was an assumption that I made. But people, a lot of people, mostly they still do call. Yeah, you'll probably, I mean, well, obviously you have found it, but I think a lot of people go on there and poke around at it first and get the price and then call in and then say, all right, now just to make sure this is accurate and you're a real person on the other end of the phone, there's a you know certain kind of personal aspect that they want with home services and that, you, you know, it, 
maybe we are, well, we are slowly evolving away from that. You know, it's where it's going to become, I don't know if it's ever going to become, you know, fully automated, like we, you know, order an Uber or something, but I guess there's less person or less kind of personal touch in the actual transactions. You know, home service is still a high personal touch sale or purchase, depending on what side of the bargain we're on. And, you know, we're going, you know, in a direction towards kind of making it less personal touch, but still by and large, it requires a large personal touch and or a lot of personal touch. And so the people go on there, your experience is what you're seeing here is they go on, they poke around at it, they get a price and they just want to kind of call to kind of make sure there's a real person behind that, this and that this isn't some kind of, you know, puffery or that they're going to, that you're going to come up and be like, oh no, our online thing is wrong. Your real bill is X, you know, right. So that's probably what you're getting. That, that's for sure. And, and a lot of people, most of my customers are calling because they're responding to a problem. They're not calling to plan ahead in advance and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of maybe getting a new roof this summer and let's like let's start bidding around. They want like, like they want to talk to somebody like they have a problem. And it's like, I want to hear someone's voice. I want someone that can help hear me. And that's why I realized that most of my customers do end up calling. Ultimately, yeah. And they all think their project is unique. You know, to us, we've kind of got them basketed off into, you know, rather the problems are all semi-unique. You know, we kind of basket them all off to us. It's like, hey, we've heard this 10 times today. You know, you're not unique. But to them, their project is the only thing that matters and it is unique to them. So that's why they call in. So what are you doing with the calls that come in? Dude, that's a great question. Took me, you know, some time to get to where I'm at right now. But I'll tell you how I started. I'll tell you where, what pain point I had you know, back in the day and now where I'm barely ever on my phone. If you ever hang out with me or if we're kicking it somewhere, you'll almost never see me on my phone unless it's responding to emails. But my phone rarely rings when I'm ever out doing anything. And it took a while to get here. It took some time to get here. But how I started is I would always be taking my own phone calls. Corey, I'm out in the field. I'm on a roof hanging, you know, cleaning a gutter, you know, and you can hear my gas blower. You know, I just turned it off like, hey, hello, Susan. Where, where are you located? And, I'm, and I'm, if I'm not on in my truck, I have to like open my notes tab and try to get information. And I have to try to remember to ask the most relevant question. And then in the middle of all that, you're going, oh shit, like I've got one bar of service here. And you're like trying to run around to the front of the house and like, see if you get two bars there. And then you run, run up the road a little bit. And then my yeah, employee's then calling me, Hey, can you bring me, Hey, can you go get this? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh man. Anyway, it came from a place of pain where I realized that like, I can't hire a receptionist. I mean, I'm, I'm a small man operation, you know, especially when I first started, I, I, we're still small and we're growing, but I, I couldn't hire a $30,000 a year receptionist to just sit and answer. I mean, 30,000 is even on the low side. I know everybody in my office starts at 40. I mean, with 20 oh, wow. bucks an hour. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot for a small business to pay. You know, that's a huge amount to pay for someone to answer their calls. And, and I never, I didn't think there was another way. I thought that this is what I have to do or hire my sister to start taking my calls. Like I didn't realize that there's a better way to do it. The other thing is I love to. So what are you doing? <laughs> I'm, suspense is killing me. <laughs> well, I'm, guess, I'm guessing you're outsourcing the calls. I'll tell you another pain, pain point that I think a lot of people are experiencing is that when they get phone calls and they get a, and they don't pick up the phone, most of the time, they're not going to get a voicemail. The customer is going to call and they're not going to leave a voicemail and say, hey, this is John, just on your website. I need... Yeah, instant gratification. People want it right now. They don't want to you know, have to call back or wait for that call back. They want to speak to someone. Exactly. And the ones that do leave a voicemail, half of the times they don't pick back up when you call them back. So anyways, oh, oh, I know, yeah. missed the opportunity right there. And I realized that I'm like, man, this, there has to be a better way. I agree. I mean, you have to be answering every call, at least, you know, during your business hours and in some trades, you know, emergency HVAC or something around the clock. Yeah, I agree. And not a lot of people realize the importance of that. And I'll tell you what actually, what it did for my business after I did this, but I started tinkering online and I realized you can actually outsource your calls. 
There are companies in the Philippines that do it. There are companies in Canada that do it. There's a few other companies in the US that do it. But I figured, you know what? This seems pretty important for someone to be the first face of my company, the first impression. I'm not going to cheap out on this. I'm not going to go hire someone in the Philippines that has an accent. I mean, nothing against Filipino. Accent, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I certainly understand that. You know, you've got, you want to sound like a, a local person, you know? I mean, if you have a local dialect or local accent, you want to have that. You want to sound like a local person. You don't want to sound like somebody that's, you know, from a national corporation or international corporation, you know, not in the area. Yeah. I mean, have you ever tried to call Comcast or something when your internet is working really slow and then, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, hello, this is Habib, you know, and you know that he's not in America, nothing against that, but you know, yeah. oh my God, yeah. by the time I get this fixed, he's going to have to jump through so many hoops. You, even if he has the authority to help you or, you know, the, he's in that pay grade to fix whatever you have, you still don't feel like he, he can do it for you because you feel like he's so far away. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about what home service customers want, they want the good local guys. They don't want the big company. They don't want the shady local guys. They want the good local guys. Well, you're not going to, you know, get that local part if you've got, you know, foreigners answering your phones. They, they want the experience and, you know, to be yeah. taken care of the way the big companies take care of customers. But they definitely want that feel that whoever's coming out, they're local, they're in my city, they've done work. They're big, but not too big, you know? Yeah, not too big, but just big enough to like really take yeah. care of me where you don't, you know, you feel like you're really supporting their family to put food on the table when you hire them. So, and I realized, I'm like, man, there has to be a better way aside from hiring someone from the Philippines. And I found this company in Oregon called Ruby. And I realized that they were higher than all the other places I was getting. Their per minute rate, I don't even know, Corey, to be honest with you, what my exact cost is, but it ranges from like $800 to $1,200, depending on how many minutes that we use. And I looked at that cost and I'm like, man, for a grand a month, I can have all my calls answered. And get this, Corey, they take calls 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. So all my weekend calls are answered and 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. on the weekday. They take calls in time when most people are sleeping. And even if I had a receptionist and I hired her and it's Sunday. Yeah, you're not getting that hour coverage. Yeah. She's not going to take a call in 2 p.m., at least not in a not with a jolly voice. You know, she's going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Dude, like, no, no. Sunday, man, even though it's my job, but uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I know, right? So, so you're outsourcing the calls. That's really interesting. I've never done that. I've certainly thought about it, looked into it. But there's a few things that kind of scare me with this. So you're doing it, you're doing it successfully here. So let's kind of jump into this, man. You know, my thing has always been when I want, when I want someone, when somebody calls my company, I want them to feel like they've got an experience, not feel like, because at my company, everybody is experienced that answers the phone call. They can answer pretty much any question they can throw at them about a screen enclosure, you know, or the company in concrete in my case. And I think that's pretty important. It makes a strong first impression. How does that work when you're outsourcing it? Because clearly the people that are answering the phones and it's probably a rotating circle. I'm sure you don't have the same person answering the phone. They probably don't know anything about your company other than, you know, a fact sheet or something that pops up on the phone, on the computer screen when the phone rings. How are these people handling it? That's a really good question because there are so many things related to what we do and they don't know the answers. They're taking calls for, you know, a couple dozen different types of industries and companies. How are they going to answer these questions? So I get that. And that was one of my biggest objections myself. Yeah, let, let me let me cut you off there here. And let's just kind of go into kind of more of a specific. I mean, let's just kind of throw an example behind it. Let's say Jane calls and says, yeah, my gutter is leaking. I need a quote for it. So let's just kind of base everything on that. So kind of keep going and we'll kind of elaborate from that perspective. So when a customer calls the receptionist, they fill out a form 
that I have created. If you're familiar with the type form, there's a bunch of different websites where you can create your own form. Yeah. And when the customer calls, they usually say their name, first of all, right away. Hey, my name is Susan. I'm calling because my gutters are leaking. And on the form, one of the first questions that the receptionist needs to answer is, what's the reason for this person's call? And if the customer is calling to get their gutters cleaned, they click gutter cleaning and it automatically prompts them to the next question. Now, keep in mind this, that the receptionists are not robots, they're humans. They're very interactive with the customer. Oh yeah, you need your gutters cleaned. Oh yeah, definitely would love to help you with that. Like they keep the conversation going throughout the conversation, you know, throughout instead of just like being a robot and just asking questions. They're very personable and that's why they're expensive, but they would ask what you need done or if the customer doesn't say they need gutter cleaning. I don't remember the exact order that it said, but they would ask for their address. They would ask where they found us. They would ask if this is an emergency. They would ask their preferred method of contact. And then any notes that they give them, they would just put that in the notes section and automatically complete that form. And then we get that information. So is this all done on like one form that they operate on? Or is this like an if and then, you know, so they've got the first question pops up and they have to answer that. And then it takes them on to another question. Great question. Yeah, it's an interactive form. So depending on what the customer answers, the receptionist gets a different question that they need to ask them. And really, they just take the calls naturally. You know, they just go with the flow and maybe the customer will tell them question the answer to question number four while they're still in question number two. And the receptionist just takes mental note of that. And when they get to question four, they just type it in or, you know, select the box. I made it really easy for them. And then just not ask that question. So it's not like it's a robot. So now did Call Ruby, the agency you're using, did they help you set this form up or is this something you had to do kind of on your own? No, that's something I did on my own this year. Before what they did is I even, they had the questions that they asked. These are just the questions. That I- so they had generic, they initially started you off with some generic questions and you said, hey, we, I can improve this. I can get some better information out of them. Yeah, exactly. I started asking for more relevant information as the business was growing and I knew what people wanted to say. I knew people wanted to like, tell us what the problem is. And I started prompting our receptionist to ask these types of questions. It took some trial and error, but as people started answering, it became pretty clear that there's consistency in what people call about and how they communicate. So do you ever have, you know, kind of some customers that feel like they're not getting the level of service they expect? Or would you say that you're pretty happy with the actual kind of service and the the feel that they feel like the person on the other end of the phone actually works for the company. I mean, how many people, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how many people, you know, kind of say or know that this is a call center behind the scenes? You know, nobody's ever said anything to me about that in the last three years, at least that I've been using this. I've had some compliments on how well they respond. But here's the thing, Corey, even if someone knows that it's a call answering service, because I have had someone tell me before, hey, I just talked to someone in your call answering service, you know, and they told me to email you, whatever. So some people are aware of it. But that's just the cost to pay. And it was a limiting belief that I had for myself that that's going to turn people off. Most people don't give a crap. They just, they want someone to answer the phone. As a matter of fact, if you take 10 similar businesses in different markets and you call them, I'm probably going to be one of the best experiences the customers are going to have when they call because of the friendly voice, the greeting, the the relevant information that they ask, just the way that conversation grows. These guys are, they have awesome attitude. They hire the best personality people. They're so friendly. And the customer is going to have an amazing experience versus calling, you know, another office. And yeah, the actual receptionist that's sitting behind the desk inside the building answers it, but she's eating her lunch or something, or (laughs) not like feeling jittery today. And, you know, so it's a cost to pay, but I think it's a very small cost to pay for what you get in return for it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, let's go back to the form. You know, the CSR at the agency is answering the questions on the form going through What happens when they get to the end? 
Great question. After that, after that questionnaire goes through, they submit it and say, hey, thank you so much. You'll hear from Vito within 24 hours. It's by the end of the day. I don't remember what exactly they say. Mm -hmm. And what happens after that is I've systemized that process where that form automatically goes into Trello as a card. And through Trello, it goes through an entire journey of a customer that just contacted us. And then I could go through that and tag it and say, this is a solicitation, which, you know, they actually weed out for me if it's a solicitation or if this is, you know, an existing customer calling about scheduling, or if this is a potential new client, I get to tag all of this and then put them through the journey, depending on why they call. And if they called to get a quote and they wanted, I call them right back within a couple of hours or email them, however, they prefer to be contacted. So you, yeah, so you've got them essentially filtering all the calls and that probably saves a lot of, you know, BS, a lot of baloney because every business gets it. And the more you kind of get your name out there, then you start getting all these calls about, you know, well, I don't know, we can improve your Google search ranking in, you know, 24 hours, you know, you know, or would you, would you like to buy advertising space on the bottom of a, you know, park bench or something like that? Right. <laughs> uh, probably, probably weeds, you know, weeds out all the bullshit. So you can focus on what's, what's important there and, you know, gets a positive, friendly voice on the phone for your customers. Under any criteria, and I think some call centers can do this, do you forward them directly to you? Like, can the, can the call center do that? Like, let's just say you got, I mean, I guess kind of what would almost be, you know, kind of crucial is let's just say you've got a lead that comes in and they have a gutter leak or a certain kind of category or certain request that, you know, you know, this is hot. You want to treat these with kind of the utmost level of service. You know that they're going to have questions. Can they kind of patch them on to you if that, you know, is a, is an option? Yeah, they can. They have instructions to contact me directly in a couple of scenarios. One, if the customer, it has to be a customer on the other line, if they are actually upset or a potential customer. So it can't be a solicitor calling and being really yeah. pissed off. They can't talk to me. But if it's a customer calling because like, hey, nobody's called me back yet, or you guys said you'll come out today, it's four and you know nobody's here. For whatever reason, if a customer is frustrated, their instruction is to contact my phone and my phone would ring and it would be receptionist. And I could be on the toilet, you know, I can, I can take that call because I know it's not a customer and I'm like, yep, this is Vito. And it's like, Hey Vito, this is Susan with call Ruby. I have Samantha on the other line. She's very unhappy. She wants to talk to you right now. Should I connect her through? And I'm like, yeah, connect her through. And then she can connect her through. There's a beep. And then I'm like, Oh, Hey, uh, thanks for getting on the call, Samantha. I understand that there's some problems. So they do have instructions to get a hold of me directly and they have that ability to do so, which happens a couple of times a week. And, and I'm totally okay with that. So you're doing that, you know, for problems, I can hear that. Are you doing that anywhere on the sales side? Like, hey, if this type of lead comes in or this type of estimates requested, patch them through immediately? I haven't. I haven't seen a need for that. As long as the mistake that I could make and I have made in the past is I can get these leads to come in. I could not be on the phone all day and then I could open my Trello board and see that, you know, 12 new calls came in in the last few hours or last day. The mistake that I could make is not following up with them immediately. If I let them be in there for a while and I don't follow up with them, they could uh, completely fall off the grid and I, I could lose that opportunity or lose that customer. Yeah. Yeah. They fall off the grid. You know, there's, there's something important, I guess, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the sooner that you catch them while they have that intent, when they have the maximum intent, when they contacted you, the sooner that you can actually kind of engage and sell them to that point, the higher chance you have of ultimately selling something. And the further you get away from that point of engagement, well, the less chance you have. So it's crucial that you, you know, kind of follow back up with them. What's your general rule of thumb for following back up? I mean, they come through your Trello board. I'm guessing if you didn't have all this text set up, you could just have them come right through to your email or maybe even a text message. Maybe they could do that. And then, you know, what's your rule of thumb on how soon you follow up with the people? I do that within two hours and email. I have done email in the past, but then my email box just gets cluttered in the midst of all the other emails that I'm actually having conversations with. 
kept getting email after email. But now I when I sit down and I call undistracted, I don't take any other calls. I sit and I make sales calls. So you kind of block off, you know, probably a couple time chunks a day, maybe a morning time chunk to get everyone overnight, midday around lunchtime, and then another call chunk for the evening, you know, in that way. That way you're just not all day taking phone calls. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm in actually my sales mindset and, you know, the state of mind where I'm actually selling versus I could be, you know, in the warehouse or doing something with their van and then getting a phone call. I'm I'm by no means positioned to actually pitch them. I could take some information, but when I sit down and I sell, I could close over the phone thousands of dollars worth of work just by calling people back immediately. I can do a satellite view of their home, listen to their problem, give them a quote, get them on the schedule, bam, 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 right at, you know, within a couple of hours of time frame, and it's so concentrated it's a very very valuable time undistracted nobody can talk to me when i'm in this state you know make calls and they're filtered Corey. so i'm not calling i'm not talking to solicitors i'm not talking to anybody other than, <laughs> i'm not actually talking to anyone on the phone other than people that are willing to give me money for what i'm offering my services which is very highly valuable concentrated time I know it can be very frustrating, very, very frustrating. I've actually wrote about this a little bit here, but in my experience, you know, we've got, like I said, more of a call center team at our actual office. And, you know, there's kind of two things that, you know, have happened over the course of years. Number one, content marketing. You know, our website gets a ton of traffic. Gulfcoastaluminum.com at one time was getting over a thousand visitors a day from all of our content. And the issue was we had so much content. We'd kind of won the game of SEO, you know, content marketing type of thing we were the number one company for no, for no matter where you were searching for screen enclosures around the company. So or around the company, around the country. So we'd have people that would just find our website and our website was filled with all this awesome content. So they thought we were the free resource for content. Mm. So it was something like, you know, 75% of our calls were ultimately valueless calls. People calling in like, Hey, you know, you've got a, you know, 10 foot high cage and a 30 foot span, what's the minimum member size that you can use in, you know, Okeechobee County, which isn't even in our service area. That was a real call we got. You know, we'd get calls like, do you know where I can buy this material? I know I'm not in your service area. Do you know anybody that, you know, sells this material up here? Do you know anybody here that can do this? And quite frankly, you cannot handle that. So we had to ultimately kind of change from things on our website and actually take content off of our public website. There's now a kind of a hidden variation of the website that we use for sending, you know, customers in the sales process. We had to kind of, you know, you know, pull that down. But when you'd have, or I would have CSRs that would just get these calls all day and they'd get on a roll and the, you know, the call system distributes the calls evenly, but ultimately there'd be somebody unlucky. And it was kind of like, you know, 10 calls in a row were just calls that they could not sell. It was solicitors or, you know, people calling in for how to or some type of free advice. And for somebody whose pay is largely based on commission to take our phone calls, they were extremely frustrated. And I would be extremely frustrated too, because I did take quite a few of the phone calls when nearly call after call is something that you have absolutely no opportunity to sell and is absolutely no value. And, you know, some people, most of us probably will never get to that point of having that much, you know, content and having that problem from calls like that. But solicitors, when the phones are blowing up, you know, and it's our busy season and you've got somebody trying to call in to follow up with you about what you think about advertising in some magazine or, you know, whatever they can sell you or if you want to donate to whatever the latest cause is that they're trying to get, those calls are really frustrating. Then the next call that you get is somebody that is an actual potential customer. You were just so frustrated at that point because you've been on the phone now. Now for 20 minutes, you're just kind of in a negative state of mind trying to shoot all this stuff down. You get somebody that's an actual customer or could be a customer. You don't have the right 
charisma and attitude to actually sell them. It's, it's, it's very frustrating. I see a lot of value in that for using this to kind of maximize, you know, your time and prevent trying to take phone calls while you're a out there on the job or b trying to do other things, even if you're in the office and filtering out all the baloney. That way, when you do need to make the calls, you break it off, do a morning round, midday round, evening round, and just call everybody right back and sell. So yeah, a lot of powerful stuff there. Now, let's just go into your call volume. How many calls are you getting a week? Say 30 to 50. 30 to 50. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And this is a this is a busy time of the year for us. So there's going to be a summer slump where we're going to get less than that. But yeah, 30 to 50 is when we're coming in of actual customers that are calling, not overall calls, but there's probably more than that. I haven't no idea actually. Okay, so you're getting 30 to 50 leads and then, you know, roughly what's your total kind of inbound call volume that Ruby has to answer? In terms of minutes? Well, they answer all these calls. Well, yeah, but I mean in terms of quantity. So you're saying 30 to 50 calls that are actual leads or customers. And yeah. then, you know, I mean how much baloney do you have from solicitors or wrong numbers or you know, people that want to save you 0.1% on your credit card processing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good question. I hate it. I hate it when I get those people trying to sell me the credit card processing because I'm like, it's not even worth my time for 0.1% to even talk to you. Yeah. Like, but no, and I agree with you. But the other side is they got to put food on the table too, right? If they, just, they do too. I appreciate, I appreciate the hustle. Yeah. You know, I admire it. But man, man, are those calls frustrating as a business owner? Yeah, I agree. I don't get too many of them. I would say five to 10. 10 would be maximum a week that I get. And the thing is, I don't know actually about a lot of them because they completely go. They don't, I never see this call. If it's, yeah. it's kind of borderline where they asked for me by name and they said that they've talked to me before or I filled out some kind of online form, you know, then they'll put that into the form. And I see that in Trello, but for the most part, I, I don't see any of them that come through. I can log in and see my call history and I can see solicitation, solicitation, but I haven't done that. I don't know how long, but I, I know people, there's plenty of them that call five to 10, at least probably every week. So let's just say that you're hanging out around 50 calls. What's your kind of spend with call Ruby for this a month? So that's 50, about 50 a week. So, so let's just multiply that out, say a little over 200 a month. How much do you have to spend to manage all this? Yeah, I would say if, Depending on the season, obviously, but eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars is, uh, I think, fifteen hundred is probably the most I've paid per month. But they have different plans, and they go up by how many minutes you use. I think I'm in like a nine hundred or thousand minute plan. I don't remember exactly. So nine hundred or a thousand minutes. So that would mean that basically each call is taking kind of five to ten minutes. Each call takes two to three minutes. Okay, so they move them through pretty quick. So to each call takes two to three minutes, but eight hundred to twelve hundred is really been the most common average that I'm seeing in my in my expenses when it comes to the calls. Okay. So yes, yeah, so that's pretty fair for the amount of calls that they're taking and certainly, you know, lower cost than having somebody in-house and certainly you're covering more hours, you know, outside of there. I mean, do you see it as an opportunity, you know, as you grow kind of to where it would be more beneficial to bring the calls in-house, like you get them on the phone and at that point you can, you know, sell them quicker and sell more? What do you think on that? Because that, that, that's kind of where I, you know, I see it as, you know, if you've got an experienced person on the phone that can sell right there, you know, you're getting closer to that point of engagement that you have that actual communication. You're having the communication, the sale right at that point of engagement, the maximum intent where they're contacting you. Do you see that as a worthwhile, you know, kind of, I don't want to say upgrade, but as the worthwhile next step that you should bring people in? Or are you planning to, you know, have your calls outsourced for the foreseeable future? That's a really good question. And I like the idea of Ruby doing all of this for, you know, for as long as possible, but it really comes down to the money, right? Because if over a year, if I pay say $12,000 to have a call Ruby to take all my calls, 
what's the cost of a receptionist? The cost of a receptionist is you know, 30, $40,000 40, a year. I know I'm saving money there, but there's going to be a point where I get a lot more than 20, 30 calls, 20, 30, 40, 50 calls a week. There's going to be times where I'm going to have hundreds of calls a week. And I don't know what that math is going to break down to yet, but I, I feel like after a certain point, probably after we get to 1.5 million, when we get to that in revenue, then that's when, you know, that's when we're going to start looking at actually hiring a full-time receptionist and training them and having them, you know, go through the experience and giving the customers an amazing experience from that first phone call. So I think in time, but I think if you're, I think for most companies under a million bucks, I think that's ideal to not have. A yeah, it's better, you know, it's better to have, you know, an agency or somebody answering the phone than nobody or yourself to be fumbling around out there. But I think for, you know, for most or not for most business, but for, residential service contractors, I think there's a lot of value. And I think that well-trained kind of in-house CSR that can, you know, say, well, to get on the schedule require, you know, a $50 deposit. Would you like to put that on a Visa or MasterCard? We also yeah. take AMX, you know, and just that's kind of hit I can't do right now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's where you're kind of limited in it. I, I think it's incredibly valuable and incredibly powerful and maybe something that we could even do in my own company outside of our office. Cause we only have people in the office. People are eight to five, but our phones shut off at four just to give us, you know, some wind down time, manage the schedule, make outbound calls there, you know, from four to five. But then there's still, I think there's a lot of value in taking, oh, I know there is, and taking from four to five, but it's, you know, difficult for us to staff. And even later, five, six, seven, or opening up early, what time do they start taking calls if you outsource it? I think you said 7 a.m.? For my time zone, they're in West Coast time zones. I don't know what that's going to be for you. Oh, no, they're in East Coast. No, you're in East well, they probably have, I mean, they probably operate, well, they, I know they operate across all different time zones, but they probably have like a, you know, they, I'm sure they have it at least at 7 a.m. Yeah, Eastern. I, I think they actually start from like six to seven, but for me in my time zone, it's from, no, I'm from six to, for me in my time zone, their calls, they take my calls from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. here in Denver time. For them, I don't know if they're two hours ahead or behind, I don't remember. For them, if you're in that market, then you have that two-hour difference. Or if you're on the other side of the country, you have that two-hour difference. But for me, it's from that time of 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And here's a point I wanted to make on that. Even if you have a full, a full-time crew of CSRs taking calls, a lot of people hire a virtual receptionist like call Ruby to take call outside of those business hours. You could actually- That's where I was just going with this. The bottom line yeah. is, is that they can get me more hours of answered calls yep. than you can get in-house. And on weekends, they can take those calls free on weekends while your regular CSR takes the other ones. So you're going to get people that, you know, some people leave voice messages. I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but you'll certainly capture more if you've actually got somebody answering the phones. Yeah, and surprisingly, people do call on Sunday. It's on my website that like, hey, we're open. So open and they think open, they're not going to stop by and visit me. They just want to call and talk to somebody and they call and someone answers and they're like, oh, wow, like, you know, who picks up the phone on Sunday? And they feel, they see, they hear a professional voice. Someone asks the right question. They don't hear someone like in the background at a barbecue, like, hey, yeah, yeah. And, you know, taking down information. They know that someone's in an office taking down their notes. So they feel like, oh, wow, these guys are taking my call on a Sunday. Right on, right on. Now, let's see. They, I know that that service also has a live chat. Do you use that at all? What's your thoughts on that? I don't. I don't. I haven't looked into that. I, I, I've seen them sending emails and talking about it a lot. Because of most of my customers are respond, they're responding. They're customers that are responding to an issue that's happening now. I've realized most of the times they want to talk to somebody on the phone. Now, that that's me making an assumption with really little data aside from my experience to back that up. But I don't feel like that would be very effective for what we do because people are like, man, man, my gutter is leaking right now. Can you come out and fix it? Can you like talk to, can you talk to me right now? But chat, it's like, 
you just got to write the message, wait for the response. I don't know. I haven't tried and, it. I don't and then sometimes you don't get any responses. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know a lot of trades are really kind of into it. I know they've been pushing it in kind of HVAC okay. and plumbing trades. We put it on our website independently in-house. So we've got our own staff answering the chat. We, we tried this a couple of years ago and we had the problem with so much traffic and content on our website that it was just a total mess. I mean, like we were getting all the people that would call in. We we're getting more people than that. You know, they're you know looking just for free advice on this chat. And then, you know, we wouldn't give them any or we couldn't really give them any free advice. We'd have to kind of end the chat. And then we would had people go leave bad reviews like this company is really unhelpful. And it's like, oh, oh man, that's frustrating. You know, you know, yeah. So that was frustrating. So that ended real quick. And actually right now on my website, we've got a live chat going on. And while I just opened it up, the last one we had is I was wondering if your company is hiring any technicians. Do you sell any Florida glass? Well, I think that basically what they're saying there, and based on the chat, they're looking for materials. Next one, they had a valid inquiry, but they basically just sent two messages and we didn't capture any information. And my CSR's response time was pretty quick. They're asking, do you screen in a lanai on a second floor unit? And, you know, then my CSR kind of asked some general questions and went into capturing the information. So we had another open line of communication, but they ended the chat before we actually got any information out of them. Here's another one. We had two or three exchanged messages. And then my CSR asked, you know, what is your phone number so we can call you to discuss this further? And they didn't go on. And then we'll just go do the fifth one is someone saying, I need to postpone my appointment today at 11 a.m. And my CSR just said, sorry, but we cannot cancel this via chat. Please call our office at, you know, this number and do that. So, yeah, I guess my live experience is going on right now this week, you know, three days into the week. We've had it up since Monday. Not going very well with the chat. Like I said, we tried it a couple of years ago and well, basically the same results. So I can safely say that at the end of this week, unless we have a major turnaround, you know, this will be coming off of our website. And I think one thing that's key too is when you got a website and you've got such limited space on a mobile website, it's important to consider the ultimate objective that you want. Nothing is going to be more valuable than getting them to actually make a phone call. So at this time, you know, now we've got, you know, a phone call, we've got a get estimate form on there. And then we've also got the chat thing and the sticky mobile button. So we're kind of detracting away from the ultimate objective, which is the phone call. So yeah, I, th I think it's, you know, kind of A, we're detracting and B, we're pulling in a lot of kind of BS and baloney. I think that, you know, the chat, at least in my experience here, now two experiences over a couple of years, it just hasn't been what it or what people I think expect out of it. The ultimate thing to do with your website, drive them back to a phone call and have somebody professional that can answer it all the time. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a lot of people, they are tire kickers and we do want them ideally to make that phone call. We do want them to get on the phone because that's where we get the most. Yeah, when you, when you can get them on the phone, if you're a skilled salesperson or CSR, you can guide them from tire kicking into your services. And at that point, you can capture more information and get them caught up into either Facebook nurturing or emails, you know, something like that. We do a lot with nurturing sequences for the tire kickers because, you know, they, they will, the tire kickers, I say it, the tire, this year's tire kickers will be next year's buyers. So we get that information and, you know, kind of get them into our system and nurturing at that point. But with the chat, what we're seeing is a lot of people are just ending this chat, you know, too quickly before we can really capture any information. Once you start asking to capture that information, they just stop responding. Or when you don't give them the answer that they're looking for, and you know, you really, it's really 
difficult, if not impossible, with such a kind of impersonal communication to kind of guide them to something that you can sell them. They ultimately just send the chat and you don't even capture a lead out of it. So my current experiences with live chat on a website. Well, maybe it works differently for different industries and different types of businesses. Maybe people in home service, they do want to talk to somebody, but it may be software sales. Like I've signed up for different software. I didn't yeah, no doubt things work. Things work differently for different services. I will say that, you know, in you and I have incidental services. You're very closely related. Exterior contracting would kind of be the broad niche. And that's that's my experience. You know, if you're an HVAC or plumber or something, maybe it works differently and maybe you guys get better results with it. But in my experience, it has been a rather lackluster performance. I'd rather just have them dialing in. Yeah, that's the best way for sure. If, they, if they've committed that much time and effort into making the phone call, there's more chances of you closing them. But if they're just getting their feet wet by just sending a couple of messages while they're contemplating on if they want to, you know, give you a shot to get get a quote from you. You may not want to invest your time into dealing with those kind of people in the first place because they may never end up buying or they may not buy anytime soon. Correct. That's it. I mean, if we could get a phone number and an email address, we could at least get them into our marketing system. It would be more worthwhile. But like I said, and you know, kind of in the examples, we're we're not even capturing that from them. And my CSRs are responding quick. We actually have one person whose sole task this week is to reply to nothing but these chats. And well, we're, we're kind of losing a little bit of money on that, but obviously that is the nature of running a business and experimenting with different things. You know, you got to you know, dump a little bit of money into it to figure out what works. And well, I guess I'm the crash test dummy here. I'm dumping money into it and losing it and saying it's not working. All right, so. I'll learn from you, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's at. Yeah, it's not doing too well for us on that note. So Vito, man, we have covered, we covered a lot of ground, but there's so much more ground. I know back in the beginning, you said, well, you'd mentioned that you'd done some door knocking here and we don't have time to jump into this. We're going to have to get you on another podcast here and cover your door knocking. Because I actually shared a video in the Facebook group of somebody that was going door to door. They did a little door knocking experiment, going door to door, selling pest control. And it was really interesting. I've I've never had any experience. Yeah. You've seen it there with the Kevin guy, right? Yeah. So that was pretty new. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. So I posted that in the group. I've only watched like five minutes of it, but so far I'll say it was really good. So I want to hear your take on door knocking here. We're going to have to schedule another podcast, hear what you have to say on the actual door knocking side of things. Cause I think there's a lot that can be done. You know, when you're at a project site, just, you know, knocking on the doors in that immediate vicinity and maybe you got some more experience and maybe you'll say, Hey, it's worth it to schedule a whole day or one person go out there and knock on doors, but we're out of time here. That's a whole nother topic for another day. It's a, it's a super fun topic too. I mean, it, it's amazing on the power of, of door knocking, but yeah, we'll get into that another time, but it's really exciting topic. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. So on that note, Vito, thanks for joining me on the Home Pro Success Show today. Corey, you're the man. Appreciated this. Sounds good. We'll get you back on. All right. Take care, Corey. You've reached the end of another episode of the Home Pro Success Podcast. Connect with us and join our collaborative Facebook group at homeprosuccess.com.